Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. It feels like it's been a hot minute since I recorded an episode or created any sort of content on social media because, well, I had been traveling for a month and I returned home a week ago and have been very busy moving into my new place, which is where I'm recording this episode from. So with that being said, it's a new spot. I am still learning how many different sounds might pop up and this is the first episode I've recorded here in this space. I did unplug the fridge because it makes some loud noises and sometimes there's sound from the heat being pumped through. Who knows, there might be footsteps above me so I just want to give you a heads up in case you hear any of these background noises and I hope they are not too distracting. And if I need to, I might have to start recording the podcast episodes from my bathroom, but I really hope not. And I just want to acknowledge that as I'm recording this, the snow is falling outside and it is so beautiful. I live at sea level, so we actually don't get snow here much in the winter. We get a lot of rain, but maybe there's one storm a winter where we do get snow and it just really changes the beauty around here. I am also just so grateful to be recording this from this new spot because it is my own space and it's the first time in my life I've really had my own space. I did sublet a place for three months just before I left on this trip and that was my first experience of living alone, which was absolutely nourishing. And it was still someone else's space though. And now that I'm here, like I'm not subletting, I get to be here for a while, and I really have been able to make this place my own as I've been spending the last week just really unpacking and and moving in here, and feels like a really special moment in my life, so thanks for being here with me in that. Okay, so on to reflections of the road. Now, what I really love about travel, especially solo travel, is that when we change up our environment and go to a new place, we also shift energy within us and bring about new perspectives. So I wanted to do this trip because of that. Now, I mentioned in the last episode that this trip came about because I had visited Sedona last year and I was there for just a day and was like, what is this place? I need to come back. And I knew I wanted to get out of the Pacific Northwest for the dreary, rainy November months before, you know, the good 
snow came for skiing that helps me make it through the winter. And so for the year up to that point, I just kept saying, I'm leaving for November. I'm leaving for November. I'm going down to Sedona. And I didn't really know how it would all work out because, you know, I couldn't really afford to fly down to Sedona and pay for accommodation. And my car has a lot of miles and I wasn't really feeling comfortable or confident about driving it all the way down to Arizona. And that's when this opportunity arose with my friend's van. And it just became really easy. It just really landed in my lap. And honestly, at that point, I was like, uh, I don't know if I actually like need to go. Like I'm actually feeling really good here at home and in community and I'm working a lot on this program and business and I don't know. But in my gut, I knew I was going to say yes to the opportunity and go because of that, because of the perspective change, because of the renewal of my energy to get out of my normal routine and my normal environment has always been a really beneficial thing for me. And a big part of that is that life on the road really allows me to get into rhythm of nature. And it's the same thing if I go backpacking in the mountains and go spend time in the mountains and why I love that so much is because there's such a simplicity to it and you really end up spending the majority of your time outside in nature and in rhythm with nature, right? So I would wake up and I'd go outside first thing because I need to let the dog out because I need to pee because I want to feel the sun on my skin because I'm cold. And then the focus of the day was often where am I going to go for biking or hiking or just to be outside because you know it's not that great to just hang out in a van all day and then with the shorter days the sun was setting by six and so I'd be out until six and then it became this routine this ritual where am I going to watch the sunset tonight and there's such a beauty to that simplicity of routine And of course, that's not practical for a lot of people. And that's what makes trips so special because we go get to experience that simplicity for a little bit in a way that might have been what we used to live like, what our ancestors used to live like as hunter and gatherers, being a little bit more in tune with the rhythm of nature and spending a lot more time outside. We would have spent a lot more time in community and ceremony, but... uh, It is a little bit of a taste of that. And there's something so nourishing about being able to taste that. So that was just a really beautiful part of the experience. And getting into a new routine of simplicity. And I was reflecting on this idea of routine. Because I know that our bodies and especially our digestive systems love routine. If we could go to sleep and wake up at the same time every day and eat at the same time every day, our gut would be so, so happy. And I don't know about you, but that's not super realistic for me. I mean, it's kind of realistic once I'm like home and kind of in my routine, but I tend to eat at different times and, you know, 
being on the road, it wasn't very good for that kind of routine. I mean, maybe I went to bed around the same time and got up at the same time. And, you know, maybe breakfast is kind of the same time. But everything else is not super in routine like that. But having that routine of being outside and being more in rhythm with nature and daylight and getting just a good amount of sleep actually helped me feel really good in my gut. And that was an interesting noticing because I was not having very good meal hygiene. I mean, to be honest, sometimes I ate way too fast or rushed or even ate while standing or on the go. And I didn't utilize any of my digestive supplement aids that I normally do, but I was feeling pretty good in my gut especially for not having a consistent toilet all the time. And I would contribute that to the routine of that nature connection and of being more in tune with the daylight and uh, probably a larger uh, consistency in my sleeping But that all being said, it is nice to come back home and find routine again in this way. And I think back to my travels when I was going for five or six years and how that lack of routine and that constantly being on the go, just how stressful that was to my body and my gut. And sometimes I don't even recognize that. And I know that being on the road was stressful to my body and my gut but it isn't always easy to notice part of that is like what i spoke to in the last episode of sometimes our systems are so used to being in a state of stress that we are so adapted to it we don't even recognize that we're in a state of stress until we get mega stressed out and like way out of our window of tolerance but when i think back to those long-term travels i recognize how much my body fluctuated in many ways like whether it was feeling like I was holding on to more weight and inflammation or having weird symptoms come up or having like gut issues extremely flare or whatnot although so much of it was so beautiful and amazing I also could feel the exhaustion of my body and the burnout of my body That being in one place now for three years or so, like moving back home and grounding down, to see how my body has responded to that is really telling. I feel like I definitely had some gut symptoms flare up after returning from my travels, probably because there was this response to what had happened. And now that I was slowing down, I could actually notice these things. Um, And honestly, that's kind of what's happening here too. Like when I was on the road, I think I was so adapted to the stressors of that and the change for my body that my gut was feeling really good. And now upon returning home, I'm actually noticing a little more bloating and a little bit like more funkiness. And I think that sometimes... When we're in that go, 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 our body is just adapting and adjusting to that. And when we take that time to actually slow down, now our body is going to start responding to that stress that it's been through. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. That's like an important part of the healing process, right? Like 
I always talk about like when we get a, a wound, it needs to inflame first before it can heal. And it's a similar thing. Like not saying that I feel inflamed, but I'm noticing that there's a recalibration process for my body when it adjusts to a new routine. So um, noticing that and being okay with that, I mean, that's a huge win for me, that mindset shift of being like, oh, this is okay. This is part of the process. And remembering too that, you know, travel and switching up our routine can be a stress on the body. What can we do to support that? And I think that time in nature and that time outside and that large amount of sleep was really, really helpful. Um, and just to complete the thought on, on my travels and noticing what's been different, you know, settling back into being here. So the, the gut stuff flared up, but now my gut has really been the best it's ever been. And a lot of that has been deep work I've done with my nervous system, of course, which being here allowed me to finally do that work, right? Like to finally slow down. That was huge. But also things like noticing my weight, right? Just like my body has come into a really um, comfortable state of maintenance where I feel strong to do the activities I want to do and I feel like in a really comfortable, healthy like weight in my body, um, which is going to be different for everyone, right? It What indicates to me that it feels healthy is that I feel good, you know, do I have the energy to do the things I want to do? Do I feel strong enough to do the things I want to do? And is it easy to maintain? I'm not like starving myself or having to do any strict diets or like working out a bunch, right? What feels like your body's just maintaining itself in that space? And it's been interesting to see what I was holding on to before when I was in a state of stress. So that's a little bit of a tangent around that idea, but I wanted to acknowledge this idea behind routine and that yes, travel can be stressful to the body and sometimes we might notice some flare-ups of things once we come back to our normal routine. Some of us might have those flare-ups during travel and just considering what we can do to support ourselves through the travel, through the stress that inevitably is going to be there, whether we notice it or not. And then also just the beautiful aspects of getting out of your routine and your normal environment and um, what being in nature and being in the rhythm of nature can provide. All right, now I want to talk about some of the challenging things that came up for me during this trip. And one thing I notice about being on the road is it can trigger a lot of my obsessive compulsive thinking, a lot of indecision, and a lot of FOMO. Now, the first part of the trip, I was with my partner and we were just in Sedona and we were focused on mountain biking and he was really kind of figuring out where to bike each day. And that was simple. <laughs> but once I was out on my own for two weeks, there was all these options before me and it was this, okay, well, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? And for me, I can get a little too into researching and trying to figure out the best thing. And that can really start to trigger that indecision and then the obsessive compulsive thinking. So I started to feel that come up and I get that 
in my day-to-day life at home, but it just can be really amplified on the road because there's a lot of decisions to make. And I want to do all the things and do the most fulfilling things and have the big adventures and see everything. So I had a lot of little experiences of feeling indecisive or um, getting a little too obsessive compulsive about things. And I'm going to explain what that's like for me in detail here in a moment. But there was definitely one particular situation where I made a decision and I experienced a lot of FOMO around it. And that led to a lot of obsessive compulsive thinking. So I'll explain what that obsessive and compulsive thinking is like for me. And this is just really honest and vulnerable, but maybe someone listening experiences the same thing and this will help you feel seen and validated because I know for myself, I felt really alone in this. Like if I've gone to people to explain what is going on for me, I just don't feel like people can totally fully understand And there's sometimes I want someone to just have like the magic pill to fix it, but nobody does. I recognize that it's something within me that I have to hold and heal. So I've always struggled with, um, and I don't even want to say struggle. The the thinking part is a struggle, but I've, I've had... OCD tendencies since I was a kid and I would say the way it's manifested the most is in obsessive compulsive thinking. Now a lot of people might understand obsessive thinking. I think a lot of us experience monkey mind and overthinking and overanalyzing and living a lot in our heads but for me there's also this compulsion part which is really challenging. So Say there's a decision that I'm needing to make. I'm on the road and I'm deciding if I'm going to leave this place and head to here, if I want to stay and attend this event or whatever it may be. And I end up making a choice and I, you know, begin on that pathway of that choice that I made. For a lot of people, that is probably just over at that point. They made the decision. They've started down that pathway. Okay, it's done. But for me, it's not. (laughs) It's not. This is where the obsessive part comes in. Now, my brain will start to analyze still. Like, I've already been analyzing the decision. My brain's going to start to analyze it more, being like, okay, was this the right decision or not? And it really wants to look at all the sides, maybe process it, maybe think it all through like multiple times. And essentially what's happening is my brain, my mind is looking for proof that I either made the right decision or I didn't. It, it, it doesn't matter which way, which is kind of the wild part. It's looking for proof as to if this was the right choice or I should have made the other choice. And yes, it is complete, complete suffering to be in that. (laughs) Now, the compulsion part comes in because that's where I feel like I need to find that proof. 
And that might be like looking at social media or talking with someone who may have been involved with one of those decisions or the other, you know, choice that I didn't make and looking for things on the internet or like processing it, you know, over and over. And it it feels like I'm not in control, honestly. It feels like I can't really stop the obsessive thoughts and I can't really stop the compulsion of wanting to, you know, think through the thing, process it, look for uh, evidence. And not only is that suffering to just like go through that, like nobody wants to go through that, but it takes me out of the present and it takes me out of the choice that I've made. So now I'm suffering even more because I'm not present with the choice that I did make and I'm putting all this energy now into finding proof or processing this thing. And so that's sucking my energy and it's causing me suffering. It's taking me out of the present because now I'm still focused on analyzing the past. It is really horrible. And sometimes I feel like I have all these tools, but nothing makes it better. That it's just like out of my control. And maybe that's something that I will always be navigating for my life. You know, whether this is something that is epigenetic that I developed from my environment. Maybe there's a genetic aspect. Maybe it's just that I, um, you know, it was a way that I learned how to protect myself at a young age. You know, there's a lot of things I'm exploring within that, but it is complete suffering. (laughs) It is complete suffering. So... If you deal with that, if that resonates with you at all, please reach out to me. Seriously, I really um, would love to connect with people who experience a similar thing because it, it is can be debilitating and can be really, really difficult. So this was a big thing that came up on the trip and I do have some reflections around it. Now... I want to speak about decision-making a little bit because uh, indecision is something I have struggled with and indecision can be very tied into a trauma response, Um, especially if like we um, didn't feel safe to make decisions, we weren't really modeled or taught how to make decisions, maybe choices that we made Um, resulted in really bad uh, outcomes or we have this like need to be in control or perfectionism or like make the right choice to feel safe um, or just some um, basic examples. So indecision um, can be a tough one and making a decision and being able to go forward with that and you know, my experience around decision-making is really made bad by the obsessive-compulsive thinking and the, the FOMO that comes up. But that's definitely a response within me as a way to keep myself safe and protected by making the right decision that's going to be the most fulfilling and make me be safe and etc. So, you know, I was reflecting on this, like... In, this is where, you know, mindset work for me has its limitations because I was telling myself, you know, there's no right decisions. 
There's no right decisions. Not one is best. I mean, if there was a right decision, it'd probably be pretty easy to figure out what to do. It's pretty clear. Well, that one is obviously a better decision and you make it. So often when I'm experiencing the most indecision is around, you know, two different options or more, you know, that all have their benefits, that all are appealing and not one is necessarily best or better than the other. And whichever one I make, there's going to be a trade-off. You know, I follow this path Well, I'm going to, you know, have to trade off not doing or getting this thing that the other path provides. So, you know, that's a really great way to look at decisions. Not one is better than the other. I just need to pick one that in the moment feels most in alignment for me, feels best, and go with it and understand that there's going to be a trade-off. But just telling myself that doesn't really change it for me. So how can I change that for me? Well, I think of, I mean, I think it comes down to like, I really have to just continue experiencing this and and working through it as like horrible as that sounds sometimes. I mean, that's really part of the healing journey. Um, But the other thing is considering what I know about somatics, right? And knowing that, you know, mindset work is only helpful to a certain extent because of the way that the mind-body connection works, right? 80% of information comes from the body to the brain, whereas 20% comes from the brain to the body. So that's why just telling myself, oh, there's no right decision, either way, there's a trade-off, only does so much for me. So I'm needing to find a way to tune into the body and feel this in my body. So that might be, you know, in the aftermath of a decision, when I feel the FOMO or the obsessive compulsive thinking coming up, being able to tune into the body, notice where I feel it and work with it. But one thing is strengthening our connection to our intuition and to our gut brain, right? That is not necessarily an easy thing. Connecting to our intuition and strengthening that connection is just like strengthening your muscles, and training the muscles of your body. Getting a little weird in my voice. Um, For me, what can happen when I come into a decision is I might stay in the busyness of the mind, making a pros and cons list, doing more research, analyzing the different options. And I'm not actually taking time to go into my body. I'm just staying in the mind, which is spiraling. And that's not really going to get me any closer to making an aligned decision. That's going to be a analytical, maybe logical decision, which is necessary sometimes. So the key here, and this is the number one tip I'm going to give about getting in contact with our intuition and strengthening that connection is to rest and listen. If you've listened to episode number two, I talk about where this little saying, rest and listen, came from for me um, during an ayahuasca ceremony where I was asking, like, how can I, like, surrender and receive, like, 
everything I am to receive from the ceremony because my brain still felt so busy in ceremony. And what I heard was rest and listen. And that's because that intuitive voice is a quiet, gentle, subtle voice. I mean, sometimes it might feel really strong, but especially if we weren't really taught or we didn't really like learn how to listen to our intuition or we had experiences that told us that we couldn't trust ourselves, we might have to get really, really quiet to hear it. Like really, really quiet to hear it. But often all of us need to get into a quiet space to really hear what our intuition is saying. So if we're in this indecision and we're noticing that we're analyzing all these options, making pros and cons lists, doing research to figure it out, you know, in that busy mind, maybe we notice anxiety is building in ourselves. It's really important, even if it's just five minutes, to do whatever we can to get into a restful state. Just That's just a state where we can feel relaxed in our body. Maybe we lie down. Maybe we go outside. Being out in nature alone is one of the best pathways for me to connect to my intuition. Maybe we can listen to like some soft, non-distracting music or even a meditation. Just really get quiet and then ask. But ask our body and see if we can feel within our body a really clear response. It might be really subtle. We might notice an emotion or a response in our gut to one option. We just really tune in and see. Sometimes we might even actually feel a physical reaction. Like for me, sometimes I can get pulled you know, forward in my body when something is a yes. So this is a good reminder for me because I realize when I look back to a lot of the decisions on the road and especially this one that I'm talking about that really triggered a lot of my obsessive compulsive thinking and FOMO, I didn't really take a lot of time or any time to like tune into my body about it. And I think some of that was because I just wanted to make a decision and go with it and not think too much about it. And, you know, that's a balance to strike. But I kind of was just in my head and thinking and then like did a little research and was just kind of like, ah. And I realized I just didn't take a moment to like just tune in with myself and be like, what do I need now? You know, I kind of had this idea that I'd already planned and I was just going to keep to that. Sometimes that's the right thing to do. But I needed to check in with my body first and really see And then take time after if I am feeling that FOMO and obsessive compulsive thinking come up to to tune into the body about it because it's all in the head, just spiraling. Now the other thing that can be really helpful here is reflecting on how often like obsessive compulsive thinking or FOMO is tied in with scarcity. Scarcity mindset goes hand in hand with these things and anxiety too. It's this feeling like there's not enough. 
this what this was the wrong thing it, it can really tie into negative thinking and you know we're we're programmed to have a negativity bias where we're you know our nervous system is constantly scanning for threats or danger we're lo- we're constantly looking out for the bad things whether like on a subconscious level we're not necessarily aware of it and so a lot of us tend to have more of a negativity bias where we're kind of looking towards the negative things. So it can be really easy to get kind of caught up in that, especially if we've experienced trauma, you know, especially if our nervous system is dysregulated because it's in a state where it thinks it's under a threat or stress. So when we're having anxiety, obsessive compulsive thinking, indecision, that's really a fight or flight response, right? There's this overactivation. Our body thinks it's under stress or threat. And so With that is going to be this feeling of scarcity and and a more negative thinking or scarcity mindset. And so the antidote to scarcity is gratitude. And I started to find that that was a really helpful antidote to my FOMO, my obsessive compulsive thinking. Because when we're in gratitude, we're in abundance. We're having gratitude for what is here already, what we already have. And so when I noticed that coming up, I was thinking about what I didn't get from this decision. And I shifted it to focus on what I did get, what I was grateful for in the experience. You know, thinking about, oh, I left this place and I missed out on this. Well, then I was like, wait, I want to be grateful for what I did get from that place and what I did get to experience there. And I will say I've been resistant at times to gratitude practices (laughs) and, you know, things like that. But often what you resist the most is what you need the most. So that has been true for me with a couple different things. In the past, that was meditation, resistant meditation, resistant meditation, resistant meditation. Went and did a 10-day silent meditation, Vipassana, cold turkey. I don't know if I'd recommend that. Was like, wow, I'm going to meditate every day now. Did not because it was kind of an intense experience. Resistant meditation until one day I was just like, I know that I need this more than anything else right now. And that is why I'm so resistant to it. So I am just going to do 10 minutes of it this morning and I'm going to go for 30 days. And then suddenly it became a practice. It's not perfect, but it is a habit. And that is a similar thing with gratitude. Uh, I have a friend who was also a roommate who would do this gratitude power hour whenever she saw the same, like if it was like 222 or 1111, she'd be like, gratitude power hour. And it happened a lot. Like we we often always caught these times. And sometimes I'd feel so resistant to it in the moment. Like I really don't want to think of something I'm grateful for. And then realizing like, oh, it's, I need that. And that's become really clear as, I've struggled with more scarcity mindset and negative thinking over the last couple years. How important having gratitude is, even if it's just like taking one moment to say something I'm grateful for, like 
taking a moment to feel gratitude in the experience I'm having or share gratitude with someone or even like making it part of my morning routine. Um, Another thing I've been resistant to that I've needed the most is nonviolent communication, something that um, I've been practicing in my partnership. And I was really resistant to it at first when he tried to bring it in because it didn't feel authentic to me and it felt too structured and I didn't want to do it. And now once I finally dropped that resistance, it was like, oh, wow, this is really helpful. And like, I haven't been communicating with the amount of like love and compassion and like protection of this other person that I could. So sometimes what we resist the most is what we need the most. And gratitude has definitely been one of those things for me lately. So if you do struggle with some of those more scarcity things, scarcity mindset, negative thinking, anxiety, obsessive thinking, FOMO, whatever it may be, see if gratitude can help you move out of that. It's that combination of gratitude and tuning into the body. The last thing I'll leave you with is just reflecting um, generally on the healing process and something I've noticed for myself that you may also notice within yourself. For me, the last two years or so have been really challenging. Um, I've struggled, like I said, with a lot of scarcity mindset and negative thinking, whereas I felt like in my 20s, I was really good at having like a positive mindset and looking at all the good things and trusting everything would work out and like something kind of shifted within me and you know that can be a little discouraging you're like wait I want to like why am why do I feel like I'm struggling with this now and I'm like want to move forward and like I thought I was doing well with this and usually that's because like in my case I was coming up to patterns that I've had all my life right and for me like I've been talking about a bit in this episode was like The pattern of always being like go, 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 do, 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 traveling, experience, adventure, whatnot. And when I came back home and I settled down for the first time in many years and lived in one place for the longest time I had in like eight years, things started to arise that I was like kind of pushing away unintentionally and subconsciously just by being in that go, go, go pattern of my fight or flight. So now things were arising And some of it has been really hard stuff, like looking at some of my trauma and my childhood and intergenerational trauma and looking at my nervous system and a lot of my protective mechanisms and patterns and a lot of the stuff I'm sharing here today, the obsessive compulsive thinking and the anxiety and the FOMO and a lot of the things that cause me suffering. I have such a deeper awareness of it now that I can't ignore it. Like I can't like distract with like alcohol and socializing and drugs and partying maybe like I used to or like even like adventure or travel like it it's just so present with me and that can be really painful it can be really challenging and you know coming up against these patterns and actually trying to shift them can bring up a lot of scarcity and negative thinking and a a lot of you know difficult feelings and emotions within us and it's not a bad thing it means that you're you're bringing a deeper awareness to it all now and you're actually like moving through it like you're healing at a deeper level like that's really what i believe about this you're pushing through and reprogramming these patterns 
And often, like I said earlier, you know, we get a wound, we need to inflame before it heals. That wound inflames before it heals. It's, it's really the same thing. Sometimes things come up and feel like harder, or a little more intense, or like we have these triggers come up or these symptoms come up that we're like, what? I thought I moved past this, but really it's just coming around for a deeper level of healing. And I know that can be really, really challenging at times. It, it has definitely been for me, but I know too that like the only way I'm going to actually like you know shift this is if I'm like actually experiencing it and working through it not distracting from it or bypassing with positivity or or whatever so that is a really present thing with me and I just want to say that in case you might be experiencing that at any point in your healing journey in any way it's like knowing that Often these things are coming up because we're moving through them and healing them. And so that's something I remind myself about too when all these things come up that I've shared here today. And finding new ways to support myself through them, whether that's gratitude or tuning into my intuition or my body or shifting my mindset around decisions, whatever it may be. I feel like that was a lot today. <laughs> And um, again, if there's anything that really resonates with you and you want to share that with me, I would love to hear that. I just want to announce I'm getting really close to opening the program Gut Brain Healing Toolkit. I um, am thinking that it might be next month in January. So uh, at the latest February, it really just depends on a, a couple things I'm trying to finish up and wanting to make it feel easeful for myself. But if you're interested, get on the wait list. That link is in the show notes. I'm opening only a few, like a limited number of spots for this first round since it's the first round and I'm offering 50% off. And those on the wait list will be offered spaces first a couple days before anyone else. So if you think this might be the right program for you, you can go check out the page below to get all the information on it. And then you can hop on the wait list on that page and be the first to know. I'll probably do a short podcast episode soon that just goes over what it's all about for those who are interested in understanding more. But for now, that's the best way to find out. Go to the page. And if you haven't taken my quiz yet to find out what your dominant nervous system state is and how that's impacting your digestive health, your physical, mental, emotional health, then you can take that quiz down in the show notes. It's a really great way to have a deeper understanding of the language of your nervous system and how that's playing a really vital role in your gut-brain communication and any of the symptoms you might be experiencing like a lot of the things I explained here today that I go through, I know exactly how that's tied into my nervous system and my history and why that is. And it helps me feel empowered in knowing how to move through it, when it flares up, what to do. And if you take this quiz, I give you tools that you can use right away to help you shift out of that state and support your digestive health and your mental health and your overall health better. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you have a regulated and resilient day. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. 
If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.